If you are tuning into this episode, I want to be very honest with you and upfront that this is a trigger warning. If you are somebody that has lost a baby of your own, this episode could be very hard for you to listen to. Maybe it is something that you screenshot or make note of that you can come back to later when you choose to. I do not want this to catch you off guard. Intentionally, this is to serve women that are in this place and working through this place or love somebody that is in this place. There is a lot of conversation here with very, very raw truth, vulnerability, um, tears that are allowed and openness and just the courage to be willing to share this in an open public platform. So today is about honoring Nicole and Rachel is going to share her story. Hi, are you there? Hi, yeah, I'm here. (laughs) Here we are. Hello. I get to see your beautiful face while we talk. What a surprise. I know. So technology, good and bad. <laughs> let, let the world be jealous. <laughs> I know. Uh, oh, and I look at us both. We should have like a hashtag loopy on, <laughs> under, underneath the podcast episode. Like <laughs> floral slash vintage slash. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're beautiful. Um, so how do you really just jump into a topic that is not, like we said earlier, this is not, how'd you meet your husband? How'd you start your business? Mm -hmm. It's, there's so much, there's so many layers and there's so much growth and there's the absolute most vulnerability in sharing this. And um, I know that you and I, you know, we have a relationship outside of business and outside of doing this episode together. Um, So I know your story, but I am trying to put myself in a position of somebody that doesn't know you at all and being able to hear Mm -hmm. what you have grown through, what you have fell and gotten back up from over and over and over um, and what that looks like for you, Um, you know, just that time span and bringing it to the surface making it real, making it a reality and a conversation for women to have that Mm -hmm. while we talk about um, how common, unfortunately, miscarriages are and how some women don't even know that they have them, but that there is this other much heavier conversation of having an entire pregnancy and being under the impression that everything will be normal and regular and you will go home with that baby and going home empty handed. Mm -hmm. And I want to allow you the space to make that real and make that a conversation. And, uh, you know, we talk about these other things, normalize this and normalize that, but let's just bring to the surface. Let's, Mm -hmm. let's hope it's not a normalize this, right? Because we, we don't want more of this. But we want you to know that you are not alone and mm-hmm. hopefully some things that can help you on this journey of grief and uncertainty. Mm. Well, I think, hi, everyone. I'm Rachel. <laughs> uh, I'm sure um, I've, I've been here before with Corrine. And yes, I. Uh, this is definitely a deep territory. This is deep uncharted waters for many in the way of 
how do you even ask someone the right questions? Because you want to know people. And the beautiful part about my story is that people that know me, that even just introduce me or know my family, at some point you will have heard her name. So my daughter is, her name is Nicole and she would be, uh, have just turned 19 in September. Uh, and so she is a part of our story. And the missing link is when you see people's eyes open because they're counting children and they only <laughs> see my two and they are like, they know something's not there. And typically, uh, you know, on Christmas cards, we will sign her name on things that are, um, you know, people know because they ask the questions or they hear my story or it's shared because there is depth there. And so having the conversation is something that I have put off sharing my story mm-hmm. uh, for a mere fact, because there will always be parts that are sacred for me mm-hmm. uh, in telling my story, but in hopes that other women who have either known someone who have gone through this. Maybe it was your best friend and you didn't know how to help them. Maybe it was a woman in work and you didn't know how to approach her the next day, right? Um, or a situation, someone in your life that you meet, having the experience and having the conversation allows learning. Hmm. Uh, in Hawaii, they call it talk story. And it's open time to just say, we're just going to talk and let's, let's learn about each other. It's uh, communicating is so important. So this space um, that I'm holding for sharing my story will can come with other people's beliefs and their opinion, but I share my story with love and um, the hopes that people will see even maybe things that, cause them concern or issues they could come with a open heart Hmm. um because I share my story with love and purpose so um yeah (laughs) well it's like it's unknown territory and Mm -hmm. I love that like open talk because when you do that sometimes you don't even know all the things that could come out and so it's like I'm talking and this is my space and then another door opens and then a window and then Mm. and I you know and these things come out but being able to like you said of course there could be opinions and ideas or I would have done this or I wouldn't have done Mm -hmm. that and but we don't know just like simply the fact that we didn't know how we would really raise our kids until they got here. The manuals, the books, the, you know, whatever it is. And when it happens to you, that's when you can have an opinion. Absolutely. And even sometimes when it does, you don't know what to feel. Hmm. So I guess I'll just kind of hop in. Um, My husband and I have been married for going on 20 years. We were high school sweethearts. Uh, I got pregnant when uh, I was 19 because we knew we were going to be together. Um, it didn't really matter. Uh, we weren't married, but we knew through odd, all obstacles and odds that we would just choose each other. And so, uh, we had just celebrated his 22nd birthday. Um, I was, um, I was 19. Uh, yeah, he's older than me, but, um, and we found out we were pregnant and I was, we were ecstatic because to mm-hmm. us, that was, everything our two uh selves coming together um and so I was 19 and it was my first baby and 
if you've ever, you know, obviously if you're a woman, you've been pregnant or you're struggling, it's like, until there's an issue, they treat you as if everything is a perfect pregnancy. Um, and I didn't learn until my third daughter that every treat, every pregnancy actually should be treated high risk because, mm. um, pregnancy is the most, um, exposed your human body will ever be literally. Yeah. Uh, and that, so that was a different mindset, but so we went into the pregnancy with the parties and the, yeah. you know, showers and the dreaming and the imagining and the scheduled ultrasounds and, you know, always measuring perfectly. Uh, and we were about four months pregnant. We decided to move to the North, uh, to the Pacific Northwest, um, one for better tech job opportunities. So traveling pregnant, it was fine. You know, we switched doctors, everything was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then basically week 35, we were like, okay, we have to get ready for this baby because we were mm-hmm. young. We didn't know no one. It wasn't a thing on Instagram to like right. watch the nurseries or watch hashtag 34 weeks pregnant and like follow. That was not a thing. <laughs> no way. Um, oh, was there even MySpace? Was, <laughs> oh, no, I wouldn't say MySpace. I, no, I would make right. my own blog online. Like you, right. you were emailing and printing out photos at Kodak. You know, blog blog spot. <laughs> Exactly. Um, and so, you know, we were just trusting that this was fine and that yeah. this doctor we had found would, would guide us. And, yeah, you know, I was about to go into my like um, every two week or every week appointment. So mm-hmm. I was at that and wow. I was new and I was reading the one book, you know, what to expect when you're expecting. Like <laughs> yeah. that was it. That's what we had. Yeah. Um, no internet. You Googled, you didn't even Google it. You had to go to the encyclopedia, like, or ask your mom <laughs> or grandma who delivered in the 19th century when, you know, it was different mm-hmm. and you're just trusting. And so, and I was trusting and I had hope we didn't have a line of, in our family of like history of issues. So there was no belief that I should ever be worried. Uh, and, <laughs> um, and so I went, I remember going to my appointment at 35 weeks. Everything was great. I was seen by a different doctor because my doctor was delivering and um, my doctors were amazing. So never would I ever think or blame where a lot of, right. in retrospect, a lot of people were like, oh, well, you should have sued them. Or, like there's a lot of after things that come. But basically what happened was, is that I remember we went to Old Navy. Uh, we got her, her first little snowsuit outfit like we were just starting to like okay we got to prepare right we're Mm. young we're like in this like apartment like we're just Mm. happy to have a home and a family and uh and then one day I don't even remember what time it was I had contractions and so we called my doctor and she's like oh great you know just monitor them you're 36 weeks so you know this is normal Braxton Mm -hmm. Hicks like all these things should be normal so I rested and I think I probably had contractions for about the whole day. So it was like six or seven hours that were, they weren't every minute. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. worrisome, but then they began to speed up. And so she just said, well, let's bring you in and check you. Um, And so we drove to the hospital, which was, you know, the hour long drive into Seattle, like any city that you have to go through. Um, It wasn't like a local, we were uh, at a hospital there in Seattle and uh, we went to the emergency room and they couldn't find her heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And so basically at that point in my story, everything gets clouded in a haze of grayness. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because to me, I was just feeling her. Yeah. And to me, and she was, which is very difficult because I don't know if it was my phantom subconscious knowing that she was moving or I just felt her kick and the nurses and doctors were saying, Oh, it's probably really just a contraction. Um, and you could see it all over their faces of they knew something was wrong. Uh, and I don't really know more than hearing, um, like I didn't hear a lot. The only real voice I could hold on to was Cameron's voice at that point when they were discussing, um, you know, elective, like emergency surgery, but that they were worried of the trauma on me if it was not necessary. And so uh, after some more consulting and obviously a steady uh, repeat of no heartbeat found, they just decided that less traumatic, more um, uh, feeling would be if I actually delivered her. And so um, we did go into that and with the intention of well, let's have, you know, that experience, uh, let's reduce the amount of trauma. Um, mm-hmm. so I am thankful for my doctors for kind of ushering me gently because mm-hmm. I can't even imagine the more pain and yep. more trauma that could have stemmed from something so physically, uh, even more so. Yeah. Um, so, and then she was born, uh, beautiful five pounds, um, and, uh, my, we did call my family and I just remember really, it was foggy. I think I only remember things because I was told of them. Right. Uh, they did sedate me and eventually, I mean, obviously, um, eventually I had to move rooms, which felt like three days I was there, but literally it was uh, a mere out few hours wow. uh, because they induced me right away and I had no problem obviously delivering. She was, you know, yeah. tiny at 36 yeah. weeks, you, you know, um, and they use all the medication they could, obviously, to just mm-hmm. flood my body and uh, make sure that I was healthy. Um, and then they moved me to another room because one thing I was mad about is the complaints of Ooh. I was crying. I didn't really realize I was crying, but obviously I would be I was hysterical. I mean, can you imagine that my family coming in? Um, but it was disrupting other moms and the oh floor. Wow. Um, so that was one thing I had to like look yeah. back on and say like, okay, I get it. Um, but we were able to, we did decide, you know, to have our family come yeah. um, and meet her and uh, my mom and some aunts came and, uh, and that's pretty much her beautiful unbirthing story of how she came to be. Um, and it was just this, you never know until you know. Um, and kind of has become our guardian angel ever since, uh, and treated just exactly that way (laughs) in all parts of our life. So, yeah. How did you guys get into the conversation of trying again? Hmm. Yeah, it was, I know that definitely my depression and my, um, I want to say even acknowledging that I was existing, mm. right? Like I, I didn't know what was happening. Um, probably 
if I would have been more aware, I would have waited longer, but I was, I wanted to bring a baby home Yeah, and coming home empty handed, you know, leaving the hospital, being rolled out in a wheelchair and you are treated like you just had a baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your body is like you just had a baby, but you Absolutely. don't have that. I mean, what do they call that? Like the mother's numbing. Like that's why you breastfeed. Like it helps yeah. you heal. Like I missed all of that. Um, the dopamine, the hormone exchange of like healing and, and yeah. the emotional, like, that's why you can wake up all hours of the night. You have this baby you're taking care of. It's the thing a new, that's there. Yeah. A new purpose. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, they, what do they call that? Like the fourth trimester. It is, that, yeah. it is another trimester of healing and bonding right. and, you know, processing everything. Yeah. So I just basically probably went from that to getting pregnant again. Um, mm. I was pregnant three months later probably my very first cycle I probably had, um, we were pregnant again. I was doing the basal temp. So I was like, this is when we're getting pregnant. And I don't know if that was in efforts to heal myself, but I know it was, I just wanted a baby in my arms. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, we got pregnant again. We, I, Cameron probably had no choice. (laughs) He knew that it was either, like life or death at that point for me. Um, Yeah. And so I want to go backwards a little bit and, and share. I know we've talked about this and they are moments that just always fill my heart with that visual and also fill my eyes with the tears, just imagining that, but um, maybe for somebody else in that situation or Mm. could ever end up there. What did he do to take care Mm -hmm. of you during that time? Yeah, I know that's something that we have shared a few times, you and I. Um, you know, it's this moment when you really ask yourself who would be there. Um, and I remember him bathing me. So I was going to take a shower. It was probably the very next day. You know, like you're just, you're, you have all the pins in you. And then like finally you're free of all the like contraptions and the doodads. And you just want to like rinse off, you know, Mm -hmm. and sometimes they'll, the doctors will say like, you know, no, you can't like, we have to wait until your body's ready. And so I remember I just wanted to shed, I wanted to just, um, shed everything from me. And Mm -hmm. I think it, it was when he then got in the shower with me to like, help me wash my hair and take just like, I think that's where I like lost it the most was that remembering like, (laughs) my, um, my tears will always come freely. Uh, remembering how that he, he, I was not just me. Yeah. Like it wasn't just myself. Like I wasn't the only one that lost her. Um, he was there right there with me. Yeah. Ready, you know, to be uh, a father. And, um, it was incredible to just know that kind of love. Mm -hmm. Um, existed like I knew he loved me but it was like this moment of just intimacy that's not uh wasn't I didn't experience that before in other relationships in my life well and one that you don't see in the movies right and you (laughs) know and you don't see from people around you and it just catches you off guard and gives Mm -hmm. you that reminder when you absolutely needed it the most absolutely Um, what are ways that he comforted you during just throughout the days, throughout the nights? Uh, um, you know, I don't, 
I don't really remember a lot. And I'm sure that's for my own Mm -hmm. um, protection. (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm sure I, I know that he just was there for me. Um, I know that he took a lot of time off of work. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that he went in and he basically asked for like paid leave. And, you know, in the U.S., they don't give you much. Um, But we just were like, this has to happen. Um, And I'm sure it was just a lot of making sure I was eating and making sure that I was getting some sleep um, as much as I could. but also just being there for me. I do remember yes. us like taking walks and I think just allowing me space however I needed. Yeah. Um, see, we weren't married at this point, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that would challenge a lot of marriages, let alone mm-hmm. two single people. Absolutely. And, um, I know I've shared with you this before. Uh, I did have, I did have thoughts of telling him, obviously like, Suicide was something that I was like, no, I can't, but it was there very heavily Mm -hmm. prevalent, but I also didn't want to stop him from living life. Mm -hmm. I didn't want him to have this remembrance of who I was. And then this new version of me that we were like, he was 22. We had our whole lives. And that if I was going to be this version of myself for the rest of my life, that I didn't want to bring him into that space. Mm -hmm. He, he didn't deserve that. He deserved the vivacious, fun-loving woman that he met in high school, mm-hmm. right? Or even yeah. the new, better version that would come together. Uh, and so we had a moment, you know, we had a decision to make. And it was November. So basically the month before I got pregnant again, wow. we went to the courthouse and we got married. We didn't tell anyone. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> because for us, our relationship was never that. We always yeah. fought through. That's a whole nother podcast. But <laughs> But, um, you know, but, but I could just tell stories all day. Uh, we just got married and I wore, you know, slacks and a shirt and like, didn't like, it was nothing, it was not ceremonial. It was, this is just, I am defining this in my life and choosing him. Okay. And so he didn't run away and he said, no, like, yeah. I will take you mm. uh, through everything. And if that wasn't a definition of when they say through sickness and health and death do us part, like, then I don't know what is, which is funny mm-hmm. because we actually don't have vows. <laughs> it's just life. Period. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. And I know we were talking before about you learned things by the third child. Um, oh, yeah. so, for, so for those that don't know you, like I do, there's your proof that <laughs> the miracles happened. They and- do two more little mm-hmm. beautiful bright-eyed yeah. little girls were born I do I was blessed with two more daughters so basically we had our oldest that next very next year and that was riding high on faith like literally I'm gonna if I could muster this I was gonna do everything I could um we you know went to a high-rated doctor um you know we were treated we didn't know there was anything wrong like at that point medicine was, I mean, we're talking in, you know, the two thousands here, like it was not where it's at. Um, and we just went on faith. And Mm -hmm. so she was born beautiful, perfect in every little way. She was our rainbow baby still to this day. She knows that she saved my life because Mm -hmm. it was make or break it time, uh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then we raised her, she was eight 
ornery and spoiled rotten. And we said, <laughs> if we're going to do it again, we have to do it now because this little child is out of control. <laughs> Um, you wouldn't think that if you know her, but no, uh, and so Mm. we had our third daughter, Charlotte, um, beautiful thing. We give both of that. We gave both of them her name. So they both are gifted with her name as a middle name. So beautiful. Uh, And she's a huge part of our story and their life uh, for sure. So those are things that. I think would be so special to Mm -hmm. share with people that she's not just remembered, you know, right. When people pass on, it's like, we'll always remember you. We'll honor Mm -hmm. you. And what do we do? What, what do we really do to honor those people? And she's their middle name and Mm -hmm. they know about her. They talk about her. They both share about her. What are other ways that you feel Mm -hmm. you guys do incorporate her and, and make her a part of your life? Well, I do have a journal actually that I kept that was that I wrote in all the time during her my pregnancy. Wow. And then I have one following it and then I kept them for the girls and Katie's a bit more filled than Charlotte's because let's say life. Yeah. <laughs> we know, exactly. right? Third kid gets the shaft. Um, oh. <laughs> but um, eventually I will pass those on to the girls to read when they yeah. have their own children. Um and then every year we would celebrate her birthday. So for us, it was actively keeping her, um, her light and her memory every single year. We don't hate me environment, but we released balloons into yeah. the air for the number of her years mm-hmm. and the heaviness. And I mean, before we moved recently, it was the last time we sent balloons into the air. It was in 2017 and she was um, 15, 15. Like wow. 16 balloons being sent up, you know, into mm-hmm. the air. Uh, what a feeling to stand there. and It does. Yeah. We let the mm-hmm. girls pick out their favorites. So mm-hmm. they become a part of her. Part of it. And, um, you know, I got a tattoo yeah. of a butterfly, which is another thing that we, it's her symbol of, um, for our family and the girls connect with that, you know, deeply. So yeah, her celebrating her birthday putting her name on Christmas cards uh, on any family kind of material, you know, yeah. she's always included. Um, so yeah. Did that take you a while? <sighs> yeah. To be honest, right. Um, I'm a very much of an empath and an emotional person. So if I hear your someone's story, I would uh, tears come to my eyes quickly because that's just, expression from your heart and so yeah the very first years were rough I mean even as my girls were growing up it was these moments of like Nicole would be doing this Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. Nicole would be going to kindergarten and then like when Katie would get there it was like that heavy moment of like celebrating joy but it was also like the knowing that she was there in some Mm -hmm. way um so yeah, it was, they say that cliche, like time heals all wounds, not that my wound is healed, but there's space and Mm -hmm. there's understanding and love and grace given. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think something I know that just having the relationship that I have with you, we've had these moments and um, I don't think a lot of people would 
be so open in sharing that there's days of the year, like her birthday mm-hmm. or, you know, the day that she left you, um, where you're like, I just, I just need my space today. I'm going to go yeah. lay on the beach or mm-hmm. I'm going to go lay on a blanket in the grass and we're going to, I'm going to just go and make some bread with the girls. I'm going to go make right. some cookies with the <laughs> girls. And I know that other moments of pain, other traumas that we work through, we're so trained to just be like, fight through it. Just do it. Just handle your day anyway. And mm. one of the first times that I heard you just openly be like, I'm not going to battle this today. I'm going to, yeah. it's letting yourself feel it and letting yourself feel how heavy it is, how sad it is, mm-hmm. how uncomfortable it is, all the wonder, all the what ifs, and just being completely fully present because there's a reason that that comes to you. There's a, there's a reason and it's, it's meant mm-hmm. for something. And so when we just brush it off and we don't give it space, it's going to come right back, you know, yeah. Harder. And I know that I'm, I'm definitely, you know, I have my moments. I'm a seven. I'm a bright side. I am a cheery, like I will make you Mm. smile. Like that's my, that's my, I want to do that. That's what I hope to give to people. Mm -hmm. Um, And to, I suffer this as well. Like the term spiritual bypassing is this idea of just covering over the feelings and let's just get to the, the happy. Um, but if you truly never feel the, the feeling and the depth and the happy doesn't mean as much. So, uh, if I never was able to connect to the feelings of her and that I have, then the happiness of that, I would feel of the butterfly floating by, you know, mid conversation, it happens all the time to us. I'm like, Oh, Mm -hmm. there she goes. Or, Mm -hmm. um, being able to, you know, have those moments of depth is a reminder of that happy love that I can then continue. Um, but it is hard to be in it and it's only that I feel safe. Yeah. That I can, that my whole family knows. Exactly. And they're mm-hmm. communicating that to mm-hmm. feel that. Um, I can't even imagine the women that find, because for me, there was shame. There was this betrayal of my body and that led to a lot of body issues that I have mm-hmm. not, concerning like pregnancy because yeah I did blame the doctor I did blame my body but it translated into my own self-hatred of what I saw in the mirror that's different Mm -hmm. discussion too but Mm -hmm. like I didn't blame her I didn't shame her and the pregnancy she was a part and a good thing and so I was able to communicate that in a safe place but women that can't that feel Mm -hmm. shame because they lost that baby and they can never speak that child's name because of x y and z um I immediately unallowed myself to be that Mm. I wasn't gonna allow that in my life of yeah shadowing well I think it teaches you know teaches your girls how Mm. to deal with that is I mean the the bigger the pain the more healing you have to do and you're teaching Mm -hmm. them right up front. This is my biggest pain. This is my biggest trauma. This was out of my control, but I Mm -hmm. have to work through this. And Mm -hmm. I almost feel, um, because I, I do personally have other friends that have gone through what you've gone through. And I feel like she is literally in your home. Mm -hmm. Oh, every day. 
And I feel (laughs) that is because you allow that connection. You welcome her and you keep her. And I'm sure the girls have their moments, you know, they're outside doing things. And I mean, share about what happened to Katie the other day with the butterfly. She, I mean, the butterfly is her thing in Washington. They were white. And then Mm -hmm. when we first moved, they were yellow. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. The sunshine, like, let's Mm -hmm. go. Um, But now we'll see white butterflies now. It's definitely her thing. Um, But Catherine was greeted by a butterfly. She was able to pick it up on her finger. She placed it on her nose. You know, she recorded it. There was was that connection and she knew. She was like, this is her. And it's that ability to, this is where I think you and I, when we talk about women and growing and we talk about death is that if you never have pain, if you never have the, uh, the, the challenges create this divide in you, but you have to fill them with something. If you're, if you never have that pain, if you never allow that growth, that the thing that challenges you so greatly grief, like all those words, um, then you are you really truly purposely living because Mm -hmm. you don't develop the character right like that's what it is I would never become the woman that I am if life was easy and if life was if I had all my girls I would be a different person and like that was one of the questions was like would you have had your other girls I don't know I yeah. hope that their spirits would have wanted to be with me yeah. in my life. Be yours. Yeah. Be mine, right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they'd be different. Um, and that was one thing I had struggled with in the beginning is that would I treat Katie as if she was Nicole? And that is why I directly did not give her the same name. Absolutely. Because if yeah. I did, I would have been stepping over the whole experience. Yeah. Um, and so giving her her own name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the butterfly and that experience um, was huge. Also, we ha- we did cremate her because she was so little and I didn't know where we'd end up in life. And so yeah. she was put, I put her into two porcelain booties, mm-hmm. um, little tiny baby shoes, basically, yeah. um, that I had engraved with her name. And eventually the girls will have them. Yeah. And so fitting that there's two of them and I didn't know I would have two children. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Um, And so they know that that's like, I will be mixed with her. Yeah. Like one Mm -hmm. day. And just like all those things that you can do to keep that like positive, Mm -hmm. the positive and the joy and the pain and the girls know and understand that. Um, That's what I was going to say. It's like, you're keeping the positive, but you're also keeping the realness of that painful situation that happened because I don't know, like I, I did not experience that. And I asked myself and I wonder, you know, would I have kept things to myself? Would I, who would I have shared with? How would I have talked about it? Would I have told my, you know, the future children the right Mm -hmm. way or the wrong way Did I leave out important parts. And (laughs) that's to me why this is special because I know, like I said, that I, there are women going through this that are like, what do I tell my children? What do I tell my daughter mm-hmm. who's terrified of becoming a mother because of this? You know, who yeah. they, you know, because there are women that I know that, um, 
they lost theirs after having their other two first. And Mm. it's like, like you had mentioned about your husband, he was waiting to become a daddy. These kids are waiting for this baby this whole time and working through that together. So it's like you Mm. mentioned staying stuck in that pain or allowing the positivity, allowing the conversation. I think that the reason absolutely without a doubt that um, she is so well loved and so well honored is because that open line of communication to her and and about her has been Mm -hmm. welcomed. Oh, absolutely. Even if it took three years and the girls were really little or, you know, your oldest was really little at that time. Um, Now here's like a whole other side to it, but a real honest question. Did you ever feel guilty for living life after her? That's a really great question. Almost 20 years later, I would have to say, I'm sure I did. I'm sure at times I did because it's the, the what ifs Mm -hmm. things I've learned have shown me that if I would have stayed in the what ifs, then that would be choosing that mental space, which leads to depression and a lot of cloudy, the way I see is grayness Mm -hmm. in my life. And for me, I needed to define her as brightness. Yeah. And so no matter how it happened through the years of yes, placing these symbolism and this love around it that created lightness. Um, and so I don't now, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember a lots of times, but I'm sure there were, yeah. uh, I'm sure there were times when I, I felt that way. Uh, well, I know what you've shared with me is that you had a choice of mm-hmm. if you stayed there and if that was your mindset or if you decided I'm going to make her happy, I'm going to make her proud. I'm going to live for her. I'm going to show her this life. And that's a really big defining moment, especially for a 19 year old, 19 years old and sitting next to a man that you hope and you believe and you pray is your forever. And just wondering how is he going to react to this? Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to get through this and I pray it's with you by my side, you know, (laughs) that's right. Yeah. It's like just waking up consciously every day to choose that life again. And yeah, her birthday was difficult, but it's, it was more filled with love than with sadness. And I remember describing grief to you and I want to share this with the the women listening, because I think this applies in a lot of areas, whether I mean, I'm approaching 40 and that means our parents are getting older and our grandparents are getting older. And at some point you lose someone in your life, Mm -hmm. even if it's a pet, (laughs) because I know how heavy that is too. Um, And that there was this explanation of what grief was and it completely stole my heart. And I was like, that's it. That's what I'm going to hang on to. And it was that grief is always the same shape. It's always the same size. So imagine whatever your shape and size of grief feels like. Um, For me, it's this ball that I could hold in my hands like a softball, literally the lump in my throat that forms, right? When you start to get sad, it's it's that ache in your heart. So that to me is the size of my grief for her. And what happens is, is the grief never changes. Your life expands. Your life begins to cover in layers and beauty and adventure and 
um, you know, promise and hope. And then those things in your everyday life, picking your daughter up from the bus, seeing her skip down the sidewalk, you know, so joyful Mm -hmm. that fills your life, but your grief always remains the same. And one moment, a smell, um, every time I open her box, that's Mm -hmm. hers. The smell brings me right back and the grief is the same size, but it feels all consuming. Yeah. So if you can create tangible connection to your grief, where it is not all consuming all the time, and you remember the visual that that person or that thing, that feeling of grief always will be the same size. Your life expands around it to pad out, (laughs) to create light and love. Um, and that it's okay to go back into that size of grief. Yeah. But don't, I say don't very lightly, but allow it to fill only that space. Be in that moment. Allow it to take up all that room that it has. But remember, your life is bigger than that. Um, and then there is hope for all the goodness. And your loved one would want that for you. Yeah. She would want that for me. Mm-hmm. The only reason why I'm okay dying tomorrow is that I will meet her. Mm-hmm. I mean, just that visual of that circle and that lump of grief. And mm-hmm. also that we are in charge of that expansion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That we are exactly. in charge of how much padding is around that. Mm-hmm. How many layers, yeah. how, how much light, how bright is it? How promising does it feel? And I am sure in the moments where the promises didn't feel as strong and the light was not as bright, the moment you open the box, the moment you see a perfect little curl, the moment you see certain Mm -hmm. little things, the padding rubs off for a minute or a day, you know, or a week. And like you said, allowing that, that's your time to the grief wants time right now exactly there's some type of communication probably trying to happen and soon after that there's a butterfly soon after that uh, you know there's a hummingbird there's whatever Mm. it may be and that is my absolute just most beautiful part um with your story is how open and willing and free and inviting it is for your family Mm. and that will allow them to really carry on what we say we will, you know, we'll carry you on a legacy. We'll honor you forever. And it's crystal clear. So, um, Mm. because I think this part is really important. And I know that, um, when I see posts like this, or I see people sharing about it, I'm like, yeah, it's like, what do you do in that moment? And the question is, you know, how, how can you help a friend or a sister, Mm. Um, you know, going through this, is there something that comes to your head or <laughs> is, is it just simpler than what someone on the outside would think? Yeah. Huh. Honestly, I have friends that say my, one of my very dearest, best third grade friend, she drove mm. from, you know, five hours. She left college to come and be with me. And I don't remember a single moment and it breaks my heart, but That's what she needed to do. She needed to do that to be there for me. So I think it's just allowing from my seat, allowing people in my life to show up how they needed to, whether that was to bring all the casserole dishes or, (laughs) you know, to make sure Cameron's fed, like to make sure that I'm 
taken care of in maybe the feminine ways that like he's like someone else to relieve him to take him out so that he can have a moment but like allow the people if you're in this in the seat I'll answer it two ways if you're in the seat allow the people to serve you and care for you the way they know how Mm. also create boundaries if it's not what you need be okay with telling someone you trust like Cameron like I can't have x y and z perfect yeah And then if you are on the other side of that, loving someone who is broken Mm -hmm. and going through something like this, showing up later, showing up in the three months, showing up in the four months and being there and understanding that it's a lifetime grief for them, whereas it's a moment thought for you. Wow. Um, And just continuing to be there because we hope people that love us most will, will be there in lots of over a time period yeah um but it's like it's kind of like when you when you do have a new baby and everyone wants to come over and see that baby right and they're like oh let me and it's like three weeks in and you're exhausted from hosting and like it's overwhelmed so you don't even remember half of those things but the woman that the auntie that comes over two months later and it's like can I hold the baby so you can go take a shower you're like thank you yes please Mm -hmm. it's that same feeling of later that that woman still matters. Yeah. Um, and I know I've kind of shared this before of like, when I meet women who have babies, I love on the mommy. Hmm. I'm like, because I love the babies and that's beautiful, but it's like, you're special too. Yeah. We forget that in all types of pregnancy. It's that, yes, the bundle of joy and the little human is important, but remembering that the mom is there too. And especially if their arms are empty, hmm. um, giving them the space to just, sit and watch a movie and pull the curtains and watch pretty woman with them and just be, um, I think it's, that's what I would say. Right. Like, re- <laughs> like re- remembering as a friend that that grief is not for three months, that grief is not yeah. the newborn stage, right? but that here we are in our friendship, you know, meeting all these years later. And we talked about her, you know, within a few months and we talk about mm-hmm. her all the time yeah. and, um, which allowed she us our calls yeah. very often. <laughs> yeah. She, yeah. The little butterfly flies outside the window mm-hmm. and she says, hi. <laughs> That's right. Um, so yeah, I mean, that gives the opportunity to have this call today and, you know, share this episode today with other women and mm-hmm. mommies, future mommies, wherever you are, or if you have somebody that can listen and, and just give it that time, you know, have mm-hmm. silence, sit in your own time, listen, feel it, and know that there's rainbows and there's life and there's expansion and mm-hmm. light around that grief. Um, that ball in the throat is just a perfect example of that yeah. sadness and pain that creeps up and it will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, normalize the conversation one, one out of every, like every, what, 50% of people are women. So it's like, if, even if you don't want to have babies, great, you know, like ever to each their own, but most likely someone you'll run into has suffered loss (laughs) of an infant or a miscarriage or in some way, um, just kindness, uh, and sensitivity. Because I know when I first went through this, it was message boards on the internet Mm. and it would have been easy to fall into the, the discussions of negativity. Um, 
but that know that you're not alone and that there are safe places. Now I'm so thankful that there are safe places and beautiful support systems, um, incredible pages devoted to support. Yeah. Uh, I wish I was smart enough to create that then, <laughs> um, but I did not know I was in it. Yeah, exactly. I was perspective of, yes, I'm on the outside of the circle, yes. but I can see it with love and joy. Um, I was just going to so say, please give yourself, please give yourself that space of like you were <laughs> in it. And then soon after yeah. you were pregnant and all, all sorts of other things. I know. But, but there's, there's resources. Yeah, absolutely. There are amazing, incredible women. Yeah. Uh, you're not alone. Um, it doesn't have to be the thing. I also want to just clarify. It doesn't have to be the thing that defines you. Mm. So while I share my story here, it's not the thing I talk. You won't find it on my personal page. You'll Uh find her name. You'll find us celebrating her. You might even be like, who's this person they're talking about, but it doesn't have to define you. And that's okay too. Yeah. There are some women who can carry that courage to, to lead those pages and lead those groups, but it's okay if it's not you. Yeah. And their size of that grief might be different. Their story might be different. Their calling is different. You know, all of our calling, our purpose, our, the way we go through life and how we grow through life. And Mm -hmm. it's also different for each of us. But like you said, most importantly, it's that gratitude for that awareness that is there Mm -hmm. and the comfort of just, like you said, seeing in the comments of, you know, supporting each other and Mm -hmm. checking in on each other relationships that are built from these comment threads or message boards and absolute gifts. And, you know, I'm sure every single woman treasures to have that. So, well, as we wrap up today, I just want to say thank you for so vulnerably sharing, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the full inside story and Mm -hmm. the feelings and, you know, sharing her light. Yeah. With your tears. Yeah, thank you. you know? Thank you for giving me the voice. This is actually the first time I've so openly publicly shared. And I hope that if you are listening, if you see a butterfly, that you will know that she's greeting you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe your own loved one is yeah. is there um, with you. So thank you for giving me the, the platform to share. And I hope this touches so many of our uh, the women in our community and our network and our reach. Yes. Um, so thank you. Absolutely. All right. Well, have a good day and I'll be on the lookout for my butterfly. (laughs) That's right.